If you would, to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 3. First Peter chapter one. <clears throat> Before I read the scriptures, and most of us are already standing, but I just I want to say this, touched on it a little bit as we were in our time of communion. But as we were talking with the elders in our elders meeting yesterday, one of the things that we want the church to understand is moments of reverence. Right? Yes. yes. I, I don't think that there is ever a time in a service that we should be irreverent. Right? But I think that there are real specific moments that there needs to be real reverence, right? Like when we're praying, there needs to be reverence. So that means that when we're praying, that's not your cue to run to the bathroom. I'm just saying, you know, and I understand there are some emergencies, right? I get that. But that's that's not time for you to run out the door, right? You're supposed to wait, right? I mean, in in some churches, like high churches, something called a benediction, right? at the end, and so we wait for that. But here, I want us to be, you know, um, sensitive to that reality. You know, times of communion, that's also another time. The, re- the reason why I ask you to stand and read the Word of God is because this is God's Word. And when God is speaking to us through His Word, we should be reverent to that. And so it's very important for me that we have those moments of reverence, okay? And so please be conscious of those things. I know that we have a lot of stuff that goes on and a lot of, you know, want to run over here to do this and run over and try to be f- first, and I-, I get all that. But, you know, the truth is we just need to make sure that we have reverence before God because we're here for Him and for His glory. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're here in 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 3. When you got it, say so. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is truth. Thank you for your presence that is here. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would continue to move in our midst. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to your church I pray that we would be obedient responders to your word, and I pray that we would hear with faith today, Lord God. 
I pray that you would remove every distraction from our mind. I pray that you would remove every thought that would try to cloud our understanding. I rebuke the foul of the air, every demonic spirit that would try to steal your word. I pray against shallowness of heart, Lord God. And I pray against the weeds of worry that would try to choke out the life of your word. I pray that we would be ground that is fertile ground, ground that is tilled ground, ground that is ready to bear fruit for your glory and for your honor. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Everyone said? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand, please. Just keep your hand up and the ushers will bring you an outline. Um, as, as I say weekly, just to encourage you, this is a great tool for you to use to be able to speak um, with someone about what you are learning. Um, to make a disciple is simply to do what? It's to take what you have learned and share it with someone else. And so I try to make that as easy as possible. Also, it's good for you to be able to follow along in the notes in the beginning of the outline there. You can see what, what, what the intro is to the message. You can follow along with that. And then there's some personal questions that you can ask yourself and some things that you can look into and so you can get a little deeper with the Lord. One of my favorite questions on there is what is it you feel the Lord has spoken to you and what are you going to do about that? How are you going to apply what you hear? Very important for us. Amen? All right, and so we're here in First Peter, and we're continuing in our In God We Trust series. And so beginning in your outline here, thus far in our series, we have touched on the gospel, on the need for a prayerful life and a life of faithful obedience to the scriptures. And so those are the last couple of messages that we shared, speaking about prayerful dependence, talking about our faith walk last week. And today we'll see God's call to a hope-filled life marked by holiness. We will, we're we're going to look at what the scriptures see. You'll find here, um, um, Peter is known kind of as the apostle of hope. He talks about hope a lot in his epistles, encouraging you to have this hope in God and this hope in what Jesus has done. And so he encourages us in that area, but he also speaks about holiness. He talks about living holy, and those things should go hand in hand. And so the title of this morning's message is Hopeful in Holiness. And so we should be hoping in the grace of God that is here and now, hoping in the grace of God that is to come. But in that hope, we should be walking and living in holiness. Second paragraph here, we live in a time in which holiness is being downplayed as relative, outdated, or old school, rather than a timeless call to reflect God in all that we do. Someone say amen to that. I remember, I remember Jasmine, she shared an article on Facebook a while back. I don't remember how long ago, but I remember looking at the art. It was, it, was it was an article with a video, and it was a young woman. And when I say young, I'm saying she was probably, I, would, I think she graduated college. So she's probably around 25, so I would say between 25 and 30. And the, woman, the young woman, she um, created her own line of um, bathing suits and stuff like that. And it was because she was talking about modesty. Amen. Let me just say this before I say, say anything else. Modesty goes both ways. Amen, somebody. Right? And so ultimately she said something, and the reason why I bring this up is because as she was sharing someplace, she, she was sharing her testimony, as she was talking about modesty and being modest, she said some, a, a younger woman, uh, you know, around her age or whatever, asked her, so what am I supposed to do, dress like an old lady? As though the indication is while you're young, you need to be looking hot. While you're young, you need to make sure that you, I mean, you are showing it off, glory to God. When you get old, you know, you got to, you know, cover stuff up. 
Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all know, I know y'all are holy people in here, but you know, you've seen those, those, um, those, 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 those television shows that, you know, they bring a mom that she's like 50-something, you know, 50-plus, and she dressed like she's 20-something. Hello, somebody? Right? Like she's crazy. Y'all seen it. I know y'all are holy. Ain't none of y'all ever seen anything like that. But, but, the, but the idea is, right? The idea is when you bring mom on there, it's not that you care about her modesty. It's that you feel that she shouldn't be dressing like that. Can I tell you something? God feels no one should be dressing like that. And my daughter and I, we were talking. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to just look down when I say this, glory to God. My daughter and I, we were talking about bathing suits, and I was like, okay. And, I, and you know, and, and, and it wasn't that she was asking, you know, for, for, for um, anything about, uh, and I, show, I showed her this, this video and stuff like that. It wasn't like she was trying to wear a two-piece something. I said, I said, babe, let me ask you a question. I said, would you go outside in your panties and underwear? Now, ladies, let me just ask you a serious question. How many of you would go outside in your panties and underwear, like right now? Like, just drop it like it's hot, and we're going to walk out there like that. Like, no one in this place would do that. So why you do that to the beach? Why you do that to the pool? That's what a two-piece is. You know that, right? It's a little thicker, panties and bra. Hello, somebody. We're going to keep on going. I'm just saying. But see, the, the thing is that the, 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 when we talk about holiness, now listen, that is one aspect to holiness. Because you can start talking to people about the way they run their mouth, the, the language they use. I've had conversations because I've confronted people that are Christians. And, 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 and they seem to like, I mean, cursing is like, it's okay. Like, God is cool with your foul mouth. When did that become okay? When was it okay for you to just drop F-bombs and like, Jesus is all right, yeah, bro, drop that. <laughs> I understand you're mad. Does he really understand you're mad? Or did he die for your foul mouth? I'm just saying, like, when we think about something, how about the way that we, you know, our recreation, like the things that we do, right? Like, like, like what, like the kind of, like, do we look like the, like, does our fun look like the world's fun? See, because again, the Bible says some things, like we are image bearers, right? You hear this, the imago Dei, the image, the bearers of the image of God. That is who we are. Right? And so what that means is God created us in his image and in his likeness. You know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say God is holy, which is what we're going to get to in a little while here. But we're already here, so we're going to just touch on it a little bit. But here's the thing. We are supposed to bear the image of a holy God. Did you hear the word image? Image is what you see. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. See, when we talk about holiness, holiness is not, because a lot of people like say, well, God knows my heart. You're right, but everybody else sees the outside. Are you hearing me? Everyone else hears your words. They don't know your heart. And so God gives us some clear indication in the word of God of what it means to be holy, what it means to be righteous. And when we're living in hope of eternity, there needs to be this holiness that totally broad brushes every area of our lives from A to Z. And listen, there's no place in between where you can say, well, I'm not going to be. No, 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 no. Every area of our lives must be holy like he is holy. Second part of that second paragraph there, we are called to be faithful image bearers of a holy God who is categorically, diametrically, and morally different than any created being. Absolutely, in every way, shape, and form. Hear me when I say this. The God that you and I are called to bear his image is different than anything we know. 
The angels in heaven, I want you to think about this when you read your Bible. When you read your Bible, you see, like especially you go to the book of Revelation, and you find that while John is having this revelation about, you know, what God is showing him about the end times and things like that, you're going to notice something there, that when John encounters these angels, he bows before them because they are so holy. They are so majestic. They are so wonderful. You read in the Old Testament people encountering angels and bowing before them and these angels having to say, no, don't bow to me, right? Like that's the thing. But then you notice something in the book book of Isaiah chapter 6, right? These amazing cherubim, these angels, these holy beings that you and I, if we encountered them, we would bow before. We would be fearful of. These beings, six-winged, cover their feet, cover their faces, fly with the others, are crying out as they're looking at the glory of God, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is because our God is different. He is different. He is beyond anything that we know of holiness, and we are called to represent him. Last paragraph here. The reality is a prayerful life, a faithfully obedient life, and a life that is looking with hope to eternity will be a life marked by holiness. Did you hear that? You see, we've gone step by step. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about being obedient to the word of God. And so here is, listen, if you are a person that is deep in prayer, then you should be a person who's walking in holiness. If you are a person who was deep in the word of God, you should be walking in holiness. You know, I, w- I was texting Pastor Chad yesterday about something, and I-, and I was telling him, I said, man, I said, character matters. Listen to me. Fruitfulness is an indication of the doctrine of your life. Are you here? Listen, if you, if, I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how many scriptures you have memorized. It doesn't matter to me. I want to see the fruit of your life. And the fruit of your life is not just going to be doing ritual things, not just going to be, it is not just going to be the things you do, but it is going to be a holy life, a life that is set apart for God, a life that exudes him, a life that bears his image. That's what it means to walk in holiness, church. And you and I are called to walk in that type of holiness. And so as our faith in God is tested, and that's what we're going to look at as well here today, through different trials, it will reveal, listen to this, more of God or more of you. Did you hear me? As we go, not not if, as we go, as we are tried in our faith, what is going to happen is we are either going to see more of God or more of your sinfulness? More of God's revelation, or more of your lack of reverence for him? That's what's gonna happen. When we go through hardship, when we go through trial, when we go through difficulty, I've used this analogy, I mean, I don't know how many times, but I'm gonna use it again today. My dad told me this a long time ago, and it stuck with me, and it is the best analogy of what what it really means to go through a trial, and it is the sponge analogy. So you look at a sponge, Go, go home today. Look at a sponge. It looks like nothing on that counter, right? If that sponge is full of some kind of liquid, you can't really tell what kind of liquid it's full of until you do what? Squeeze it. You see, and you and I look real good on the surface sometimes, you know, because we're our church clothes. Hello, somebody. We know how to act right in front of folks. You know, we know the church lingo when the pastor walks in the room. Hello, somebody. 
Not just the pastor, but you know that holy person. You know that person that prays. Amen, somebody. You know that person that's always quoting the Bible. You know that person that you're afraid one day they might prophesy to you about something. Hello, somebody. You know that person. Not, not just the pastor. I'm just saying, you know, we all know how to act right. But when we get squeezed, listen, I told you this story before. I'll never forget the first time. I mean, li literally, literally, this was the first time this happened. I was so shocked. I was on the phone with someone that I thought this person was holy, righteous, you know, like a person. This was a minister in the church. And, and they're, not, they're not in here, so don't look around. Um, so, but, but nonetheless, I'm on the phone with them. They're driving. And all of a sudden, something happened. And I promise you, I heard every curse word and every syllable, every look. He went through A, B, C, all the way. To, I mean, I didn't even know there were curse words like that. I was like, wow, I thought I used to curse bad. I was like, really? And they forgot I was on the phone. <laughs> And not because it was me. It was just they forgot someone was on the phone with them because we were having a conversation. And they were like, I got to go, Bishop. And they hung up. I was like, hey, you need to go for sure, glory to God. <laughs> but the truth is, what happened was that person got squeezed at that moment. And you know what the Bible says? This is what Jesus said, right? My dad gives the good sponge analogy. But Jesus said something else. He said, it is not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out of a mouth. Because it is what comes out of a mouth. It is what? It is the abundance of the heart. So when you act like that, don't be surprised. That's what's inside of you. Don't like, oh, I can't believe that. You better believe that. <laughs> Repent of that thing. And so here we are. This is the big idea I want you to get. A living, a living hope. This is the big idea. A living hope should produce a holy lifestyle. A living hope should produce a holy lifestyle. And so what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if you in here, you say, I have a hope for eternity. I am living in hope of Jesus' return. I am living in hope of the things that we're going to talk about, this inheritance. Then you know what that should produce in you? It should not produce laziness. It should produce vigilance. Are you here? It should not produce a lax lifestyle. It should produce a lifestyle that you are walking in fear and trembling before your God. That's what should come out of a life that is really living in hope. It's kind of like this. Think about it this way. When you were a kid and your mom and dad went away and they left you in the house. Some of you are still kids right now. You're living this truth. Amen. And, you know, there are certain things that mom and dad don't want, right? Like they don't want to mess when they come home. Hello, somebody. And so if you knew that mama was coming home at 3 o'clock, if you were smart, if you were smart, let me say it again. If you were smart, if you cared, at around 2 o'clock, you know what you started doing? Clean up. Clean up, clean up, everybody, everywhere. I'm saying, right? That's what should have been happening, right? Some of you was crazy and you just got whooped a lot. I'm just saying. Because you didn't care. You weren't thinking about the time. You were just having fun, making a mess. And your mom came in the house and was like, mm-hmm, glory to God. But, but, but here's the thing. See, you were expectant, amen, right? You, you, you knew that some, at 3 o'clock someone was walking in this door and they had certain standards that were there. And so you lived a certain way. You made sure things were right. Can I tell you something? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we do not know the day nor the hour, but we are supposed to be living as though at any moment Jesus can return. So the question for us is are we living this holy lifestyle that God calls us to live? First thing to repeat after me, say this with me. Holy living, Holy living. must be motivated, must be motivated. By, living hope. by living hope. 
Holy living must be motivated by living hope. Look at verses 3 through 6. We'll look at this together real quick. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Say living hope. It is a living hope. We are born again to a living hope, not a dead hope. And it's living because of what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So understand this. The reason why our hope is sure is because Jesus really died and really rose. Are you here? The reason why I know how I'm supposed to live and the reason why I, re- like, I know that Jesus is coming back is because I am 100% certain of that fact because of this fact over here. Are you here? I'm 100% sure. There is no question in my mind. Listen, if you have a question about the resurrection of Jesus, we can have some conversation and we can talk about that. But if you are convinced of the resurrection of Jesus and you know that he rose, then here's what you realize. You realize that if he promised to rise again, he promised to come back. And if he did one, he's going to do the other. And so we have a living hope, right? Verse, ver, verse 4 says here, it says, to an inheritance, look at this, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Say reserved. reserved. You understand that you have some stuff that's reserved for you? Nobody got excited about that. Like you realize that there are some things. This is what Peter, he wants, he starts off his letter with the indicatives of the gospel. Like what does the gospel tell us? The gospel tells us that we are sinners, right? That's what the scriptures teach, that we, that we are all on our way to hell. It tells us that we are hopeless apart from God, that we cannot save ourselves, that we cannot do anything to make ourselves right before God. It says that Jesus comes, he dies in our place. He sheds his blood for us, gives his life in our stead so that we we could have what? We can have a relationship. The Bible calls it reconciliation. He brings us back from the, being his enemies to now being his friends. He brings us into this relationship so we can experience him now, so we can know his presence now, know his peace now, know his joy now. But you know what he says? He says, this, what you have here is nothing to be compared with what you have waiting for you. You got to get this in your heart, that there is something that is reserved for you and I. That's a beautiful thing. That there is something that is reserved. Listen, I don't know about you, but it's good to know that there are things reserved for me, right? Like, like you, know, you know, it's cool, like, when you're coming to a place that you have someone who reserved your seat, amen? You know, like, when you go to that concert of that person, you know, I know it's a holy person, amen? But, you know, when you go to that concert and you buy those upgraded seats because you don't want to be way back in the nosebleed, you don't want to be way back away from the stage, you want to be as close as you can be, and so it's beautiful to know, yo, I got a reserved seat, hello, somebody. And what I want you to get is that God is communicating to us through the Apostle Peter that we have an inheritance that is reserved for us. This is a beautiful thing. You know what it says here? I want you to think about this. Look what he says here. He says in verse 4, he says an inheritance that's incorruptible. Say incorruptible. He says undefiled. Say undefiled. It says does not fade away. Say does not fade away. So these three things tell us what? It tells us that our inheritance is untouched by death, unstained by evil, and unimpaired by time. Or another way to say it is this. Our inheritance is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. That is our inheritance that God says is reserved for you. Listen, all this may not be all pretty down here. But there is something that is reserved for those who are children of God. But he, he goes on. He doesn't just stop there. Look what he says here in the next verse. I love verse 5. He says, who are kept? Say, who are kept? Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And the first part of verse 6 says, in this you greatly rejoice. 
So what I want you to get here is not only do you have an inheritance that is reserved for you, but secondarily, you have a God that is keeping you so you can experience that inheritance. Are you getting this? See, see that, that, that's why the gospel is so encouraging. Because when you're going through discouraging moments, listen, all you got to do is come to the description. This thing will make you jump and flip and all that kind of stuff. Because you realize, man, this world is tough. We're going to get to that, the, the, the tough part in a moment, the next part of verse 6. We're going to talk about that. But when we're going through life, this is how we're supposed to live, looking forward to this inheritance, looking forward. The reason why I live the way that I live, the reason why you should live the way that you should be living is because you are motivated by a living hope. Say living hope. Not a dead hope, a living hope about our future. See, as believers, we need to ask ourselves this question. What is the source and center of your hope? You need to ask yourself that question. Think about that for a moment. What are the things that you are hoping in? Some of you are hoping that you'll get a call back from a job that you went on an interview. Hello. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are hoping in, in, in some kind of college situation that you're looking forward to. Some of you are hoping that someone's going to ask you out on a date. Hello, somebody. Some of you hoping you dress cute enough today. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? Like some, some of you got some hope inside of you. But here is the reality. The reality is, is that the end of your hope? Is that it? Is that all that we hope in? Is the here and the now? Is that, is that where our hope dies? I hope not. Hello. Hmm. <laughs> our hope has to be something greater. There has to be something greater that we are hoping in, church. And I wonder how many of us even think about eternity. How many of us even think about beyond this life? Nah, man, I just hope that I get this. I just hope that I get that promotion. We hope in the accolades that this world has to offer us. But where is our hope in Christ? Because that is where our ultimate hope should be. There's not, listen, there is nothing wrong. I'm going to tell you right now. There is nothing wrong with setting goals and having goals. And listen, you're supposed to rejoice in every blessing that God gives you for sure. But when we think about our hope, our hope really needs to be firm and locked in on what? Eternity. This eternity that God describes to us. See, our hope needs to be in the reality that God has promised us some things. He's prepared those things for us, and he is keeping us for those things. Those are things that we should get excited about. Amen? The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, holy living is fortified through an inexpressible joy. Holy living is fortified through inexpressible joy. Let's read verses 6, <clears throat> the second part of verse 6, and we'll, and we'll continue to verse 12. And look what he says here. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. So what is he talking about? He said, in this, all the stuff we just talked about, in this inheritance, in the fact that he's keeping you, he's saying, in this you greatly rejoice. But then he goes on to say something in the, in the second part of the verse. He says, though now, say though now. He says, though now, for a little while, if need be, can I tell you something? I know you don't want to hear this. Every one of us needs to be tested. If you can write this one down. I'm going I'm to I'm forewarn you, this is tweetable stuff right here. Can you just tag me in that tweet? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. 
I wish I could take credit for it like the Holy Ghost gave it to me. One of the commentators wrote it down. I was like, yo, I got to say this, glory to God. The Holy Ghost was talking years and years ago to some dead guy. I don't even know. But here's what I want you to know. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Listen, testing, are you hearing me? Testing is not fun. How many of y'all love tests in school? Raise your hand. Come on, all those people that love tests. You were looking forward to those tests, glory to God. That's like three people. I mean, you got people that they get diarrhea before tests. Hello. Like, I mean, you got people that they are not looking forward to tests at all. Like, there are some people, they just can't take tests. Like, they learn everything, and they just fail the test. And it's not because they didn't know the material. It's just that there's something in their brain, like, locks up. Hello, somebody. Nobody likes to be tested. And can I tell you something? I'm not talking about taking some math test. I'm not talking about taking some kind of SAT or ASAT or whatever, AT, whatever you take. I don't know. I ain't talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the test of life that we go through. Nobody wants to go through the test of life that they go through. My wife and I, I remember years and years ago, she was leaving one job and, you know, she was just done with that. And when she walked away from that job and her job, just to give you a uh, little bit of background on this, and her job, um, she, she worked on pure commissions. It was a purely commission-based job. So she had to get paid. You know, she had to work very hard and then you, you save up and you budget. And so she knew that she couldn't just walk out the door. She got a big old paycheck, right? Enough to cover like three months worth of bills. And guess what happened? She told them, she gave them her, her, her final, her, 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 her two weeks notice or whatever. They let her go. So on Friday, she walks out and they say, you can leave. Well, she did something called direct deposit. Hello, somebody. And so, yeah, amen. Always right. <laughs> and so direct deposit, you have, for those of you that work in this or know about this, you have like 72 hours to make adjustments because you might have made a mistake on that deposit. Well, guess what they did? They adjusted it to zero. And so my wife had written all these checks and she did all of this stuff. And you know what? We were like praising God because she was able to leave this job. She was able to get out of that situation. And Monday morning came, we were like, oh my goodness, a real OMG, Hello. All right. It was a serious situation. Did we want to go through that kind of test? And it wasn't like it was over overnight. It took time to, you know, recoup and, you know, things bounced and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was rough. And thank God for his faithfulness that came around us with certain people in our lives, you know. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, that wasn't God. Oh, it was God. Hello. My pastor used to tell this story. I love this story. I'm going to just share it because I love it. Hopefully it will make you all laugh. You'll remember this if you were ever there and you heard him tell this story. But there was this old lady. She was, she was crying out. She was a widow. She's crying out to God. God, I need provision. God, I need provision. God, I need provision. And she is crying out to the Lord. And there's an atheist that lives in the building with her. And he hears her crying out all the time. And all of a sudden one day he decides, I'm so sick and tired of hearing this lady, you know, cry out to God. So he goes and buys some groceries, comes to her door, knocks on her door. She comes to the, you know, she comes to the door. And she's like, hello. He's like, here you go. Shut up already. He's like, praise the Lord. God used the devil. Amen. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> at the end, <laughs> listen, God will use a donkey. Okay. He will use whatever in order to do what he wants to you. He used ravens to feed Elijah. Hello. I mean, he used, I mean, he'll use whatever means he has to use, but we need to recognize that it's him. But here's what I, the reason I share that story, nobody wants to go through that kind of trial. And listen, I just talk about that one trial. I could talk about others in my life and you could talk about tons of trials. I bet you everybody in here got a trial they wish they could not have gone through. 
or a trial they wish they're not walking through right now. I mean, this is just a reality. But listen, what we're supposed to do is in the midst of all of this trial, right, we need to realize, and, and, and listen, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is this, is that all of us need to be tested. I'm not telling you need to be tested the way you were. I'm not telling you earned that because, listen, Job, what did he earn? Hello. Job didn't earn anything. He went, he was tested. That's what happened to him. And so ultimately, we have been entrusted with whatever test God entrusts us with, and we're supposed to what? We're supposed to greatly rejoice in the stuff that we talked about. He said, if need be, and look at this. He says, you have been grieved, verse 6, you have been grieved by various trials that what? Look at this, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so here is the encouragement part. The encouraging part is that what I want you to realize is that whatever test God entrusts you with that you're going through now or that you will go through, hello, somebody. You know, for Christians, it's kind of like this cycle in our lives, right? We are either going through a trial, we're coming out of a trial, or we're walking into a trial. I know you don't want to hear that. I know you wanted to hear, I went through the trial, I'm going through the trial, and I'm going to come out of the trial, and I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. I'm sorry to tell you that it's probably not true. But what I will tell you is every step of the way, see, when you went through this trial, here's the beauty. This is what we know, is that he says here that our faith is worth more than what? Than precious gold. Are you here? All God is doing is allowing you to walk through this test so he can show you what needs to be removed. That's what he's doing. Hello. See, I want you to understand this. God is not testing you because he doesn't know what you don't know. Did you get that? Are y'all hearing me? Let me talk to this side of the room. God is not testing you because he's not sure about what you know. Like when a teacher sends a, hey, it's a pop quiz. Like the teacher doesn't know what you know. I want you to know something. God knows exactly what you know. He just knows you don't know what you know. And you don't know what you don't know. See, because some of us think we know everything. Hello, somebody. Until we start going through this test. And then all of a sudden, he brings, you see, the beauty of it is, is that he doesn't crush us in this. He doesn't want to condemn us. And so some of us, you know, we go through hardship. We go through trial. We go through difficulty in our life. And we start to feel, man, God wants to crush me. No, he doesn't. He wants to bring out that faith that is more precious than gold. He wants to bring that forward in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. And listen, it may be hard. It may be difficult. It's definitely not something that you want to go through. But the beauty of it is, is that he wants to bring out that beauty. He wants you to be able to bring glory and honor to his name. Because let me tell you what, there's two things that, is, that, are, that are for certain here. One of them is that when you walk through a test and a trial of your faith as you come through this, you are strengthened when you see God walk you through it. And you know that he's got you no matter what you're going through. Are you hearing me? This is what we know when, we're walking, when, we, when we walk through these things. But can I tell you something else that's a beautiful thing? See, it's not just about us. But there is a world that is watching us as we're being tested. And I want you to know that your test, listen, whatever it is that we're going through in our lives, God wants to use that to point to him. Amen. Are you hearing me? He wants to use that to point to him. See, whenever I talk about that story with my wife, you know, with her, like we talked about earlier, I remember being in the, in the delivery room, and I, my, my daughter's sitting here right now. She's probably never even heard this, and, and, and I hate to even say this, baby, but I, I got to say this. I remember sitting in the delivery room. My wife was going back to, that, to, 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 the, to the room for surgery. You know, I didn't even know what a hysterectomy was. I, I was clueless. I, I, I didn't even tell you what I thought it was. But anyway, I didn't know what it was. I had no clue as to what it was. But I remember when she went back to that room and I was sitting in, 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 in the delivery room with my daughter. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, 
If my wife dies, am I going to be able to love my daughter? And that was a hard thing for me to have to deal with because I didn't know what was going to happen. My, mom was, my, my wife was going into surgery, and there was, I, all I know is there was tons of blood in the room that she just left. All I know is that the doctor told me that if we don't get her back there and do emergency surgery on her, when I don't know, I, you, know she, you know, she may not live. That's all that I knew. And so I sat there, and I had to go through this. The moment, the thing that, I mean, I, I remember rejoicing so much because of my daughter. I mean, I love my daughter to death. I will kill somebody for my daughter. Y'all know that. Like the second week I've told y'all that, I blasted on Facebook. I'm straight up, honest. My friend the other day, he said, guns don't kill people. Dads with beautiful daughters do. And I said, I will join the list. Amen. I'm just saying. I love my, I mean, my daughter, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I fight with idolatry. I'll just be straight up. Like anybody who doesn't fight with idolatry with their kids, you don't really love your kids. I'm just saying. I'm saying, I'm, seriously, like, 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 like if you never find yourself battling between like, man, do I love my kids more than I love God? Then I, I have to question, do you really love your kids? Just, I'm going to leave that there. But what I'm saying is in that hospital room, for the first six hours of my daughter's life outside of the womb, because, you know, there's life before, amen, that's another preaching. I'll wait for next week for that one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come back next week, glory to God. Some of y'all liberals were like, nope, I'm not coming back next week. Get delivered, amen. Here's the thing. For those six hours, because it was like five hours and my wife was away from me, I struggled with that. Like, man, if my wife dies, I'm going to look at my daughter as, man, you killed my wife. That was a struggle that was there. I didn't want to walk through that, but I had to walk through that. I had to go and thank God today. Amen. My wife is alive. My daughter's alive. Glory to God. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you something. I'll never forget this. My grandmother, she, she, was, she, was, she was the, she doesn't even know this. I didn't even tell her this. But I remember sitting there and I was arguing with God. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my wife was sitting there on that table i never forget, I mean, I, I laid hands on her, and I started speaking in tongues. I started praying. I mean, mind you, I wasn't, like, in the, in the room, like, yelling out in tongues. It wasn't nothing like that. But I was praying under my breath. I was like, God, I rebuke. I command healing over my wife. And I was like, Lord, come on now. You got to do this. You know, I'm a man of faith and, blah, 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 you know, all, the, all this kind of stuff. And when, 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 the, when they took my wife away and they had to take her through surgery, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, this, the other thought that came to my mind is like, look, man, I don't want the religious answer. As to why, like, God, why do I got to go through this? And I remember my grandmother, <laughs> she came to see me, and she's talking to me, and she gave me the protocol answer. And at that moment, I was upset because I got the protocol answer. But you know what? God don't have to bow to me. Are you hearing me? He didn't have to give me the answer I want. He gives me the answers he gave to everyone. Hello, somebody. He gives us the same answers. He gives us the same communication. And listen, church, hear me when I say this. You, as a child of God, when someone is going through a trial, don't be ashamed to share with them the word of God. They may not want to hear it, but you know what? I got over myself. Hello. A couple hours into it, after my grandmother walked out, I was like, God, I didn't want to hear that. I got to ask you what you want to hear. I told you what you need to hear. He loves me. It may not feel like it all the time. Hello. When you're going through a test, it doesn't feel like God loves you. But nonetheless, he doesn't change his mind. Hello. The third thing, we're going to move on here. Go to verse 13 with me real quick. Say this with me, this third thing. Holy living, Holy living. is practiced in light of eternal consequences. 
Holy living is practiced in light of eternal consequences. Let's look at verses 13 to verse 21, and we're going to wrap this up here. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully, say fully, upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice Peter continues to point to what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, again, as in your ignorance, but as he, listen to this, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Say all your conduct. A to Z. In everything you do, you are supposed to be holy. He says, why? Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. He's quoting from the book of Leviticus. He says, and if you call on the Father, now look at this, who without partiality will judge according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Listen to me. Is this how we live? Is this how you are living are you conducting your time while you are here in this earth in holiness, in fear of God, in reverence for who he is? Are you looking forward to the day that you will be judged for your works, good or bad? I want you to understand, Peter is not warning non-believers about a judgment. He is telling believers about a judgment that we will undergo. Are you here? He's writing to the church. And I'm not telling you this is a judgment about, about heaven and hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a judgment that we are going to go before God and we are going to sit there and we, are going to be, and we are either going to be rewarded or not. He says in verse, nine, in verse 18, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Again, he's doing what? Bring us back to the gospel like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, we all just kind of did what we saw done. Hello. That's what he's saying. Everything that we saw our families do, typically, that's what we do, right? We go through the same things. You know, if your dad was this kind of, uh, kind of dad, this kind of husband, that's the kind of dad, that's the kind of husband that you're going to be. Listen, I've seen it. I mean, I've been, I've been a Christian for over 20-something years. I've been pastoring here for 14 years. I was a youth pastor. And you know what? I've seen it in lives. I've seen people that they don't even realize that I'm looking at it in them where I see a dad that is this way and I see a grown man that's becoming just like his dad. His dad is a heathen and this guy's a professing Christian. It happens. Or I see a woman who is, look, I, I mean, I just hear stories about the mom, and she becomes just like that. Because of what? Because it's something that we learn. It's, it's picked up stuff that we learn from our, from our families. And so he, he goes on to say in verse 19, he says, but with precious, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And so where is our faith and hope supposed to be? In God. It's supposed to be in him. And the reason why we live holy is not because a preacher got up here and yelled for 45 minutes. That isn't why. Hello. It isn't the reason why we live holy. We don't live holy because you heard some stories. We live holy because of what the word of God tells us. 
Because the word of God says that God judges without partiality. Listen, he's not going to judge you because of your family name. He's not going to judge you because of the church you went to. He's not going to judge you because of any of that stuff. He's going to judge you based upon his relationship to you through his son. He's not going to look at you and judge you on a curve because your wife was good or judge you on a curve because your husband was holy. He's not going to judge you that way. He's not going to judge you that way because your parents serve the Lord. He is going to judge you based upon you. And so we live holy because we are going to experience that judgment. Every one of us that believes in Jesus, we're going to stand before him and give an account for our lives. And he tells us to do what? He tells us to live in a holy way. So as a result of the revelation we already have of Jesus in the gospel and the future promises of his return in the gospel, we live in this tension between the then, the now, and the future. And that's exactly where God wants us to be. Are you hearing me? He wants us to live in this place where we are looking back at what Jesus did on the cross and we're seeing our justification and that we meditate on that. That's the reason why every week I remind you as faithfully as I can of this gospel, who we were, what Jesus did to deal with that, and who we are now in Christ. He wants us to look at our justification knowing that we did nothing to earn God's approval. Jesus did it for us and we are benefactors because he is the just and justifier. But then there's another place that he wants us to look at. He wants us to look forward to the glory that is to come. So we live from glory to glory. Are you hearing me? And in the midst of this, so we look at glorification, we look at justification. But in the midst of this, we're in this place of sanctification. We're in this place of becoming more and more like Jesus. And every time, I, wa I, wa I want you to understand this, that, that, that consistent holiness in us is the result of our constant reflection upon the holiness of God. Are you here? Consistent holiness within us is the result of constant reflection on the holiness of God. You see, if you want to walk holy and you want to live holy and you want to imitate him, you know what is the best way for you to imitate someone? Watch him. Are you here? You, 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 how many of y'all know who Kobe Bryant is? Raise your hand if you know who Kobe Bryant is. Now put your hand down. I'm not going to ask you how many are Kobe Bryant fans. Some of you probably can't stand him, but here's the thing. I'm going to tell you what I saw when I see Kobe on the court. You know who I see? Michael Jordan. Not because he's as great as Michael. That's debatable, but here's what I want you to know. Depends on who you are. If you're a fan, like, yeah, he's amazing. If not, but you look at his mannerisms. You look at the stuff that he does. He's imitating a guy. He talks about it. When he played against Michael, he was like, he was, he was in awe of his idol because he was playing. He was guarding his idol. So, he, you know. so the thing is this. He was a great imitator, right? He, he knew how to imitate. Now, mind you, he got his own game, all that kind of stuff. But here's what I want you to understand. If you want to be a person who reflects the holiness of God, you must meditate on the holiness of God. And you know what that takes? That takes time. I hate to tell you, five minutes of prayer is not going to get it. I hate to tell you, I know y'all going to hate me for this. I hate to tell you, your little, your little devotional that you get emailed to you every day that you post on Facebook, and I ain't talking to anyone in particular. I'm just saying. Because it moved you so much, that is not going to do it. I want you to know something. When these scriptures were written, there were no daily devotionals. Hello, somebody. 
You know what a daily devotional was? Pray, seek the Lord, read the scriptures, meditate upon them. That was daily devotional. Listen, I love devotionals. For those of you that get on the call with me at 430, I read devotionals every morning, and I, and I open with those. Absolutely. I love to use them. But that can't be the, sus- the, the substance of my walk with Christ. There's like one scripture, like one verse, and like 900 other words from a man. Did you, did you get that? It is the word of God that transforms our lives. It is us being in the presence of God, opening our Bible before the Holy One and saying, God, reveal yourself to me, not just so that way I can know you, but so that way I can reflect you. That's the place that we need to live. And I'm closing with this. If we call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, children of the Most High, we must know that we will be judged and rewarded or not, resulting in awe, and that we have been redeemed with holy blood, resulting in gratefulness and faith in God, especially when our faith is being tried. See, what should be happening to us is that we should be looking back at what Jesus has done, we should be looking at the future and what Jesus promises us, and we should be looking presently and saying, God, help me to live for your glory and for your honor. So my question is this, where is it that God is calling you into deeper holiness and trust in him? Where is it? Where is it that he's calling you to deeper holiness? Where is it? Listen, maybe it's the foul mouth that we talked about earlier. Maybe it's... um, Maybe it's the way you dress. Maybe it's the way that you recreate. I don't know what it is, but I know that God is calling all of us to a higher place of holiness. Hello. Unless someone is perfect in here, and if you are, let me know because next week you can preach. Because I haven't arrived, and I need someone to preach to me to get me to that level. So if you're perfect, then God is not calling you to to a deeper place of holiness. But if you're like me in this place, you know that there are some areas that God is saying, hey, I want that out of your life. And can I tell you something? That's just the beginning of the road. Hello, somebody. Because, you know, God, but, but can, can I tell you something? God is, the, God is the most benevolent taker. Hello. Did you hear that? He is the most benevolent taker because when he takes something from you, it's because he's got something better for you. Now, it doesn't mean that that better is going to tantalize your feelings and your emotions. <laughs> it's kind of like that person that wants that, that pernil, you know? <laughs> that pork, glory to God. I think pernil is like pork butt, so I don't even know how that's healthy. But anyway, shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. All right, my bad, my bad. Hey, I don't know. I know that it tastes great. Whatever, wherever it came from, glory to God. But here's the thing. But it's like somebody tells you, hey, man, you need to stop eating that pernil. And most, hey, and let me say something here. This is just real serious talk. Some of y'all need to stop eating the pernil. Hello. Not because it makes you more holy, but because it's going to make you more healthy. I'm just saying. All right, Jasmine, can I get amen? Amen. She's about to do backflips right now because I just condemned the swine. Hello. <laughs> Pastor Aldo was blessing it last week and, you know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. But someone comes and tells you, man, you need to let go of that, but let me give you some grilled chicken. See, no one said amen to that. Everybody was like, oh, man. But that's because you have not had my wife's grilled chicken. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm going to throw that out there. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to invite all of you at one point, not today, but listen. But here's, 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 listen, when God takes something from you, he's not taking it from you because he's mad at you. He's not taking it from you because he just wants you to be miserable. It's because he wants to give you real life. He wants to give you real life. He wants you to know that there is joy 
apart from sin. Did you hear that? You don't have to engage in sinful activity. You don't have to engage in sinful pleasures in order for you to experience joy in your life. You can say no to sin and still experience more fulfilling joy if you'll allow God. So where is it that he's calling you to a deeper place of holiness? Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads today. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward today. I just want you to grab your neighbor's hand, and I want us to do what I like. I like you to minister one to the other. I like you to be a point of contact. I want you to be that person that prays for the person beside you. And we're all going to pray that we would all grow in holiness that we would all grow in a deeper level of submission and surrender to God, that we would repent where we need to repent, that we would confess the sin we need to confess, that we would acknowledge where it is that God is calling us to a deeper place of separation to him and trust in him today. Father, we come to you, Lord, as your sons, as your daughters. We come to you as your people, my God. And Father, we have heard your word as you are calling us to a deeper place of holiness, God. We hear your word as you're calling us to live righteous, to live pure, to live godly lives, my Lord. Father, we come to you today, and we just pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for our compromise, forgive us for our rebellion, forgive us for our disobedience, forgive us for being comfortable when we should walk in conviction, forgive us for being complacent when we should walk in holy living, my God, forgive us for embracing grace as an excuse for us to continue sinning against you, my God. Father, today we come to you, Lord, and we hear your call to a deeper place of holiness, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, con that you would consume our hearts afresh, God, that you would consume our lives, that our passion would be for you and for you alone, that we today would say yes to you, my God, and say no to whatever it is that we've been holding on to. And Father, I want to pray for those that are going through trial right now, Lord God, that are going through hardship in their life, that are overwhelmed, my God, that are being squeezed to a place that they, Heavenly Father, they, they can't even bear it. But I thank you, my God, because your word says that you are there with the brokenhearted, my God. Your word says that you never leave us nor forsake us, my God. Your word tells us that if we are heavy laden, that we can come unto you and we can find rest, that we can cast our cares upon on you because you care for us my God I pray for them my Lord Jesus I pray that you would strengthen their faith I pray that their faith would shine brilliantly and I pray Lord God that you would use this trial that you would use this testing in their lives Lord God to bring glory to bring honor and praise to your holy name Father we thank you and lastly Father I pray for anyone in this place that does not know you Every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're in this place and you do not know Jesus, you don't believe in Jesus, you're not, you haven't committed your life to Christ, today is an opportunity for you to put your faith in him, to turn from your sin and to trust him with your life. And so if you're in here, you can simply pray a prayer. It's not this prayer saves you, it's the faith that you have. You say, God, I, I believe what your word says. Call on to him today and say, God, I recognize you as God. I recognize you as holy. I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that I am your enemy. I recognize that I am separated from you because of my sin.
And I ask you to forgive me today. I ask you to cleanse me today. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Help me to serve you and walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a hand. Really quickly, as Pastor Chad makes his way up here for our tithes and offering, if you pray that prayer today, if you, if you, if you made a commitment to Christ today, I'm going to be out there in the front lobby, and I want you to come by and listen. Don't, don't, don't walk past me quick. Stop by and let me know that you made that commitment because I want to connect you with Pastor Aldo. I want to connect you with some other godly people that can help you to grow in your faith. I don't want you to just walk out here because remember this. When you make that commitment to Christ, you pray that prayer unto the Lord. It is a beginning, not an end. Are you here? It's, it, it's, it's the start of a new relationship. That's not the end of your walk with Christ. So if you did that today, please let me know out there in the front. God bless you.